You know, the sky is not falling. I know, I'm, I can assure you, it felt like it was friggin' crumbling uh, on top of us when we uh, walked off that field in Chicago. But that's an anomaly. That's 101. And as a defense, we are committed together to right that ship and not play defensive football like we played there. That was Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive coordinator, still to this day, Mike Smith. I am David Harrison, your host on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at DH82 underscore underscore Bucks. And you can find all, all the things I'm writing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the NFL over at BucksNation.com. Joined as usual on today's episode with me is Brent Allen of none other than the Pewter Cast. You can follow him on Twitter as well at Brent Allen Live. Brent, Mike says the uh, sky's not falling and that defensive performance to Chicago was an, an, an anomaly. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's BS. Complete, total, and utter BS. Now listen, and, and here's the reason why. Uh, I got mad. I heard him say that and I got to tell you, I got mad because my first thought was, uh, he said, this is an anomaly. It's one of one, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it's not one of one. This is 19 of 36. More than 50% of your games, that is not an anomaly. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. like it, it, and I've said before, I, I th- might've said it on this show last week or maybe on the Peter cast. I don't remember. Mike Smith's defenses have been good for at least two of these kind of butt whoopings a year. Right. Uh, and actually I went back and turns out it's not two, it's three. It's three of these kind of butt weapons here. And I went back and I looked and, and it, you know, I don't have a specific algorithm. It's just the ones that I remember kind of put a hurting on us. And in 2016, his first year, there was three of them. There was the Cardinals game. There was a Broncos game where we lost by, by right at 20 points. And then there was that Falcons game, you know, that, that led us into that big turnaround for that five game win streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's those guys. And these are ones that we, we were losing or we lost by, by, a, I mean, it just, they put a hurting on us. You know, and then in 2017 there was the the Vikings game. Uh, there was the the Cardinals game again until Fitzpatrick came in. Uh, you remember we were down like 35 to three or something like that going into oh, halftime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean that that was embarrassing. That that's not okay going into halftime. And yeah, we had this big rally in the end, but still, I mean that first half, like holy crap. And then there was even the the first Saints game that we played last year. Um, that we went down by 20 as well. Uh, and then this year, just this year so far, uh, and I'm going to go back to the Steelers game. You know, I de- kind of defended the Steelers game and kind of wrote it off. Like, yeah, we had a bad first half. Really didn't even have a bad first half. We had a bad quarter with our offense turning the ball over four times. You can't do that to the defense. And you can you can make the argument, well, the defense shut out the Steelers in the second half. I get all of that. But still, the way they ran the score up on us in that first half, I, 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 you know, I don't know what you do. So you can claim that one. You might not. But then this past one here against the Bears, I mean, that's that's what is that? That's eight, seven. Maybe if you don't count the Steelers game from last week, that's not an anomaly, guys. That's not an anomaly. I totally agree with you. And if if anything, if it's an anomaly, it's because it's worse than even than even the rest of them were. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what what he thought he was going to accomplish with those comments. I, I don't. I don't foresee anybody really taking those comments and saying oh hey it's gonna be okay guys that was just that was a one-time thing because we've already been talking about it the entire bye week uh we talked about it immediately following the chicago game this is this is not anything that's new and you know and that's evident by the fact that as soon as as soon as these defensive miscues and these these mistakes and these these bad schemes start showing up 
everybody kind of said, okay, here we go again. That's, I mean, that's your, that's your sign right there that this is just kind of uh, more of, of the same. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence moving forward that we're going to see a new defensive scheme or, or any new wrinkles uh, uh, to this, to this defense. So I don't know. Uh, good luck. Good luck to everybody in Atlanta, I guess. Hopefully you've got your blood pressure medicine uh, ready to go. You know, I, I mean, I can kind of get where I think he was going, where he's saying this is one of one for this year. You know, it's what Cutter said last week. Hey, listen, this is just one out of 16 games. No, it's not one out of 16 games. It's 19 out of 36. It, right. it, 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 but he's talking about for this year. This is, you know, this Chicago Bears game, it's just one out of 16 games this year. And Mike Smith kind of saying, hey, this is just one out of one games. You know, it's an anomaly for this year. It's not going to be like this going forward. But like you just said, I don't trust Mike Smith going forward. You know, and, and, yeah. and I don't know, I don't, I don't mean to project too far and I don't really know. I might eat my words, but I got to tell you at this point, if this defense were to go out and have that kind of five game turnaround and, and, you know, be stellar, even from here on out to the end of the year, I still don't think I trust a Mike Smith defense. You remember what Jason light said during, um, uh, hard knocks last year about Roberto Aguayo. Um, where he said, you know, Roberto could come out, he could hit all of his all of his kicks and have a perfect game, and you'd still be worried he's going to miss the next one. But yeah. then Holt could go out and miss a bunch of them, but you'd still think he was going to make it. And mm-hmm. that's how they made their decision to cut Roberto Aguayo. Now, we all know what happened with Nick Folk, but you get my point. Mm-hmm. I, I think I would feel the same way about a Mike. I feel that way about a Mike Smith defense at this point. He could go out, and the defense could look stellar from here on out for the rest of the season. And I'm still worried that they're going to have a collapse the very next game. Very much so. I mean, even you know the Atlanta Falcons with all the weapons they have. I mean, Tampa Bay could come out, and like you said, their defense could go off and just completely smother everything that Matt Ryan and the Falcons are trying to do. And yeah, the very next week we'd all be right back in the same seat, nervous about yeah. whether or not they could continue that that type of success. I don't know. Uh, another part of the, of the press conference I really didn't seem to like was when he talked about Matt Ryan, talking about how he needed disguise coverages against a guy like Matt Ryan. And then he kind of mentioned how hard that is to do with such young players in, in your defense. And it, it just feels, and, and I hate to catastrophize, right? But it just feels like a pre-excuse. Yeah, it that's is. what it feels like because this is the same team. Julio Jones came out, you know, it was last season, right, where he said we went in the locker room expecting adjustments. We came out, they did the exact same thing, so we did the exact same thing. So last year, you know, no adjustments were made. Apparently, at least in the eyes of the the guys playing the football game. This year, we've already got our defense coordinator talking about how hard it's going to be to disguise coverages uh, because of the youth of the roster. I mean. We can't have it both ways, right? I mean, I, I have to believe that Mike Smith had some sort of uh, contribution to the decisions to go so defensive heavy this offseason. And I agree with the efforts to go so defense heavy this offseason. But then you can't then turn around in the exact same year and say, well, this is why everything is struggling. You, you can't get what you want and then blame getting what you want on why you're not being successful. So just not a lot of confidence uh, breathing, uh, getting getting bread out of that. Um, any other, any other thoughts on the, on the Mike Smith press conference before we move on, Brent? No, I'm, I'm done with Mike Smith. Uh, I'm done with Mike Smith. And, and I dare say that this to me, uh, does not look good as far as how I personally feel about moving forward with this entire coaching staff. And I was one of the staunchest defenders of it last year. 
Yeah, no, I, I remember. And, 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 you know, James and I kind of stuck to our, our guns of, you know, never, never wanting to call for someone's job. And I know to some that kind of feels like sitting on the fence and I'll, I'll accept that. You know what I mean? If, if that's how, how some of our listeners feels that we're kind of sitting on the fence, I will, yes, I will, I will agree to that, but it's just kind of something I, I feel as, as personally that, you know, not knowing the full story, all that, you know, yada, yada. Sure. Um, but you know, we might all have a lot of uh, a little bit of a lack of confidence, right? But before we move on, I want to I want to talk to everybody about something I don't have a lack lack of confidence in, and that is my bookie. Um, if if you guys have been listening to the show for any period of time, you you guys have heard James and I talking about my bookie. But I'm I'm telling you right now, folks, when I tell you that I, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, that's that's not a line, that's not a a, a read from a script. That's 100% accurate. I use my bookie every weekend. Um, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's not overly expensive uh, the way that I play. I'm not I'm not what you would call a high roller. Nobody's comping me any rooms anywhere anytime soon. But it's still a blast. It's so fun to, to make my little uh, make my bets and, and even though they might be little, and then come back and check on them later or watch a game and and kind of see you know where I'm standing and everything else. And I'm not the only one because I'll tell you right now, my bookie has been slammed with new betters, but they're still dedicated to giving everybody the best service possible. And we've been running a special for a while with them and we're continuing to run it. So here are the details in case you don't know them already. If you are willing to deposit after 7 PM Eastern standard time, my bookie is going to give an additional $25 free play on deposits over a hundred dollars. So you come home from work, you kick your feet up, eat some dinner. Maybe it's before Thursday night football. And you look down at your watch 7 PM Eastern standard time, drop a hundred bucks into your account. And my bookie is going to give you $25 more to play with for free. If you win, that money, the, that profit is yours. If you lose, you're playing with house money, right? All you got to do when you make that deposit is enter the promo code Locked On 25 That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, 25, and you'll get your bonus. Just head over to my bookie. Uh, as we said 100 times on the show, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. You play, you win, you get paid. So, Brent, I know you said you're done with Mike Smith. I'm done talking about Mike Smith, and I, I really hope that we don't have to readdress this topic next week. But if we do, we're going to let future Dave and future Brent talk about that. Right now, I want to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. So, sure. going into into this week, coming off a bye, there are some some players that are getting healthy. Right, OJ Howard surprisingly practiced uh, mm-hmm. today, at least during the the portion open to the media, which was great news. Where are you drawing confidence? from this team heading into uh, the Falcons game this weekend? Well, to me, it's it's going to be the thing that has been the most consistent, and that's going to be our receiving core. The Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, um, Adam Humphreys, and then let's go ahead and throw in Cam Brate and O.J. Howard. Uh, you know, that, that core has just been as consistent as the day is long, never mind a drop that we had, you know, from Mike Evans last week or, or different things. For the most part, this group has been outstanding and they have been stellar and they have been, uh, I think, absolutely the bright spot of this team, no matter how up and down the rest of the units have been. So to me, it's this receiving core. And if they can't get kept in check, uh, and that's the whole idea of these weapons, right? You put so many out there, you can't possibly cover them all. So mm-hmm. get it to the open guy and let them work their magic. Yeah, that's, that's a great area to draw draw confidence from. Without a doubt, I think all season long, that's that's going to be a great point because even without OJ Howard, even if OJ can't go, uh, hopefully he can. You know, we'll have to keep an eye on his practices moving moving towards the weekend. But even if OJ can't go, with with all the guys they have on the field and all the potential they have uh, to to make plays across the, the scope of the de- uh, against the, against the defense, you just you just have to be confident going against it. And I think everybody is expecting a shootout. I know that James and Aaron Freeman from the Locked On Falcons podcast talked. 
on yesterday's episode, they're definitely expecting a shootout. I think I think it's pretty pretty fair to say we're we're expecting a lot of fireworks, and the receivers are obviously going to be kind of the biggest benefactors from that. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cheat right and copy paste. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> find a different point of confidence. And honestly, mine is is Jameis Winston. Now it comes with a little bit of caveat, right? We all know Jameis sometimes tries to go into superhero mode, and those are the moments that just scare the ever everything daylights out of us. But I've I've always kind of compared his his playing mentality to Brett Favre. I continue to do it right now, and I will tell you, I'm I'm not a Packers fan. Uh, I'm not a Jets fan. I'm not a Vikings fan in any way, shape, or form. But I always had a ton of fun watching Brett Favre play because, mm-hmm. as nervous as he made you sometimes, right? Like throwing across the body in New Orleans in the playoffs. Terrible decision, right? So as nervous as he made you, it's kind of like your Nick Folk reference, right? Mm-hmm. Every time he went on the field, every time he dropped past, your nerves started to tingle, but you always kind of had a feeling it was going to work out. Jameis isn't full Brett Favre yet, right? Like not every time Jameis starts doing something weird, do you get the feeling something's good is something good is going to come. But there's always that potential for the NFL player of the year to happen uh, because, because of Jameis Winston. And I will agree with, with probably the majority of Bucks fans that that needs to actually come down a little bit, uh, in order for Jameis to be consistently successful in the NFL, especially with this team. But I don't know, man. Like, I just, I feel like he's going to bring an energy, uh, uh, to the field that is going to be a welcome change from what we saw in Chicago. And even a little bit from, from Ryan Fitzpatrick, even as great as he was doing, you know, there's just kind of like a, an elder statesman excitement about him. And when he got pumped up on the field, it was more, I don't know, it was almost like watching your, your old uncle who never comes undone kind of get loose at a family event. It was just, it was just really entertaining, but Jameis kind of always brings that energy. And, and I'm hoping maybe a little bit of maturity mixed with that usual energy uh, is going to come to the field and we can, and we really see some good things uh, going up against a weekend Falcons defense. Yeah. I, it's, I'm excited to have Jameis come back for sure. Um, absolutely. So, uh, I don't want to give away too much because I know what your next question is getting ready to be. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, 360, right? We want to look at the whole picture. So we talked about what's making us confidence, Brent, what has you concerned going against the Falcons? Uh, I agree with everything that you just said about J about Jameis Winston. And one of the things that has me uh, a little bit concerned is Jameis Winston. Yeah. Um, and for all the reasons that you, you also referenced there, uh, he can, he can make you a little, a little squeamish and look, let's face it. He didn't look amazing when he came out against the bears. Now you can talk about ring rust. You can talk about, uh, um, you know, uh, he hadn't been playing for so long. You can talk about, uh, just the old Jameis, but listen, when Jameis did come back out, we saw all of his old tendencies, didn't we? Like we saw, we saw everything that just we knew of Jameis. We saw that he was scrambling out of out of sacks and stuff. And you're like, oh my god, he's getting ready to throw an interception, and it worked. And then it didn't. And we saw him return to his favorite Mike, uh, uh, his favorites with Cam Bray and Adam Humphreys, and focusing on those guys. We saw him make some really great decisions. We saw him make some poor decisions. We saw a couple of interceptions. We saw all of the things that are normal, typical Jameis. All of those things that could make him great. And all of those things that are also limiting factors. So, you know, having Jameis come back. Um, now, the other side of that is, as I have often said, you know, especially those first two games, I don't know that had too much to do with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And, and in fact, saying that I believe if Jameis had been here, we could have had a very similar storyline and very similar success. Uh, and possibly even have continued that a little bit further than when the uh, Fitzmagic expired. 
if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is still Jameis's first game really coming back as the starter. This is going to be Jameis. Uh, you know, he had that little time in Chicago. Great. But he's now had the last two weeks off. Of course, we've also seen him still practicing. We've seen the videos come out of how he's continued to practice here through the bye week. Um, so as excited as I am to see Jameis come back, I'm also a little bit nervous because the question that's out there for me is what Jameis are we going to get? What does the 2018 Jameis Winston look like? And we still don't know that answer. And so that's why it's got me a little concerned. And that's definitely fair. Um, I, I can't argue with that at all. I mean, it, it's obviously going to. And uh, I've seen some tweets. I've seen some comments from some Bucks Nation readers who, who are equally concerned. And they're, they're kind of wondering, is this going to be a Jameis Winston who is, is coming out to prove that he's a better person than everybody says he is, contract year, essentially, uh, you know, that all the people questioning whether or not he's the franchise quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are wrong, you know, so on and so forth. Or is he just going to come out and be a quarterback trying to help his team win a game? Because that's really the James Winston that we need to see is not the one who's going to come out and try to be Iron Man in the middle of New York City. We just need to see the guy who's ready to be what's a, what's a good example. I don't know, Hawkeye, just a guy who's part of the team, part of the system, part of the process. He's going to chip in where he needs to chip in and, and let his playmakers do their thing. So hopefully that's I'll, the, I'll be honest. What I want him to be is I want him to be captain America, be the leader of the team, be the guy who can direct the other guys and let the other guys do what they do best while he does what he does best. That's what I want out of Jameis Winston. And, and he could, and I pray to God, I hope that that's what we see. I'd much rather see uh, a captain America or maybe even a Hawkeye as you, as you reference there, than mm-hmm. say uh, a Hulk. Right. You know? Yep. See, James is going to twist my Hawkeye reference. Cause he knows that Hawkeye is my least favorite Avenger. <laughs> but that's not why I picked Hawkeye. I was just looking for like a role player. So James, calm down. Um, I'm about to get a, a tweet or a message. Hawkeye here. is the Aquaman of the Marvel universe. I'm just right out there. Isn't he? See, <laughs> you and I are on the same page. James is on the outside looking in and he's not here to defend himself. So we win. He loses. So um, my point of concern against Atlanta, I'm not going to go the easy answer, right? Easy answer is the defense as a whole. Easier answer is the secondary. I'm definitely not going to go with the easiest answer and say Mike Smith. I'm going to go Quan Alexander. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Quan has not had a good year. Um, no. I'm a huge Quan fan. Okay. And I'm not going to lie. There's a little bit of bias in how much of a fan of Quan Alexander I am as an individual player. And it goes back to uh, he's the first Buccaneer I ever interviewed. Okay. So I'm just going to put that out there. Um, Quan will forever be one of my favorites, no matter where this, this media venture takes me Quan will always be one of my favorites however i'm not so blinded by that experience by that memory and, and, and by that sentimental value and all that to not to not be able to see how much he's been struggling this year and i don't know if it's scheme i don't know if it's he's trying too much i don't know if maybe he's just getting exposed by by offensive coordinators who are seeing more and more of him now that he's getting later on in his career i don't know what the issue is but it's but it's there and it's happening and it's real this is the first time i've really seen as much traffic, and it's not a lot, right? It's definitely not like Chris Conti levels of negativity towards Quan Alexander's play, but there's a lot more Twitter traffic and a lot more um, noise out there in the social media atmosphere about Quan missing assignments or reacting wrong or over-pursuing or even under-pursuing here and there, getting off blocks, so on and so forth. And Quan is very active on social media. And I know that a lot of pro players, most pro players, if not all pro players, would say that they don't pay attention to social media. They don't pay attention to what the fans say. They don't pay attention to what the media says and all that stuff. Yes, they do. Now, 
do they come to practice every single day or enter the stadium saying, well, I'm going to show Brent Allen live on Twitter that he is wrong about what he tweeted. I don't think they go that far, but it sits in their subconscious or it sits in their brain somewhere because they, they read it. And if they, if they didn't want to know what people were saying, they wouldn't go out there and read it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I want to see how, how much it's going to impact him. He's a very emotional player. He's a very emotional guy. And that's one of the reasons that he's such a fan favorite, but Right now, there's a little bit of a swing of towards the negativity coming from the fan base about him, and I want to kind of see if that's going to impact him because he's had some really good games against the Falcons, and I think that if the Buccaneers are going to come out of this with a win, he needs to have one of those games, not necessarily a rip the ball from Julio Jones moment, but he just needs to have a really solid game there in the middle for the Buccaneers uh, if they're going to come out of, out of this one with a victory. Look, here's the thing about Buccaneers fans. And not just Buccaneers fans. I think this is Tampa fans. And this might be fans of other, just fans in general. But fans in Tampa, they are so ready to get behind you if you give them something to get behind you for. You know what I mean? And and yeah. while the negativity towards Quan, I think, might be a little overblown, I do think that people are starting to look and say, hey, maybe he's not as great as we all thought he was, but they really hope he is. You know, and then there's right. people who are just going to be jerks about it, you know, and say, oh, he's overblown and he's overrated and whatever. Um, you know, Quan has has not had his best season. And there's a lot about Quan that is still um, I, I think his potential has yet to be tapped. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can we can talk about the defensive coordinators he's been playing for, uh, you know, maybe. Huh. Maybe that has something to do with that. I don't know. I don't exactly know what it is. I think the criticism is in some ways well earned, and I'm really, really, really pulling for Quan to um, to have a banner year to force Jason Light to give him the big contract. I'm really pulling for Quan, but he's got to be able to do it on the field between the whistles. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and I get what you're saying. Uh, you know, Quan has he hasn't been um, stellar, but he's had moments of it, and he's the kind of guy that we want to lead us. It's just, uh, is he really the guy? Right. Yeah. He he just he seems like he's on the cusp of, of really becoming kind of the focal point of this defense. It's just something always kind of kind of hinders him from getting over that hump. Yep. Um, but Brent, before we move into our final segment, uh, I want to talk to our listeners again about another uh, supporter of the show, SWAT.com. Uh, again, we've been running a special with them for just for just a little while now, for I think two or three weeks. Uh, but if you haven't caught uh, what we've been saying about SWAT.com, just I want to take a moment of your time and, and discuss this with you. So SWAT.com is the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. I mean, it's crazy how much people will pay sometimes for brand name clothes. I'm not really one of those brand name guys. But I know some people who are, and, and the, the 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 things are just they're priced insanely sometimes. But Swap.com is the world's largest online consignment and thrift store, as I said. And with them, you can get ninety percent off retail prices on brands like Lululemon, Carter's, Nike, J. Crew, and Gap. It's all quality, hand inspected items. They're added daily, and if something doesn't fit, you can enjoy hassle free returns within thirty days. So really good deals from those guys over there. And for right now, for being a Locked On Bucks listener, if you head over there to swap.com, you can get 35% off of select items for your first order with the promo code Locked On. Again, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll find new deals every day on their homepage. Again, that's swap.com. Thank you to them for supporting the Locked On Bucks podcast. And folks, if you head over there and use them, uh, let us know how it went. Let us know your thoughts on that. And if you drop a voicemail about it, 
we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll take a listen to it and and potentially put that on the air. I'm sure they would love to hear some of our listeners talking about their experience with them. Brent, we're going to move into our final uh, segment for this for this uh, episode, and that is, of course, your game projection. I will be on tomorrow's episode with James again and uh, a special guest of ours who you will also be having on your show, I hear. Um, and we're going to go through game projections on in that episode. But before we head out from these these kind folks here, the Locked on Bucks audience, I want to hear your. Yeah. Um, ooh, I have no idea. I really don't. I, re- I I don't. I mean, it just depends on who shows up. You know, it depends on who shows up and who doesn't. Now, if, if I might be able to cheat a little bit and go back and give you a second thing that makes me nervous going into this game, it's the yeah. offensive line. I, yeah. I think I think the majority of Ryan Fitzpatrick's struggles in the Bears game was the fact that the offensive line just got dominated. Now you can talk about Khalil Mack being the best defensive end in the league, and you'd be right. And you could talk about this 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 front group of of the Bears being a really good uh, front group in the league, and you'd be right. But none of that matters. The offensive line did not look great. And you know what? We all know at this point, Ali Marpet just got the big contract handed to him, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And I'm all for that. Um, you know, this offensive line has to show up and they have to protect the way they did in the first two games. And certainly uh, in the second half of that Steelers game, they've got to get back to what they've been. And if this offensive line can show up, then I think Jameis is going to have a great game. I think the receivers will have a great game and that shootout is going to happen. But if the offensive line doesn't show up and, and listen, I know that uh, Atlanta's defense is not great and it's not been great and it hasn't since week one. And, you know, if, if the offensive line can step up and, and hold their own, especially against a weak defensive line, then, you know, we got a, we got, we got a chance. We got a chance at doing something. So I hate to, I hate to give a prediction about a score. I think my game prediction is just simply going to be, does the offensive line show up? If they do, it'll be a shootout. If they don't, uh, you know, it might not be that high scoring of a game. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get, can get on board with that. When you mentioned it before about, you know, whether or not the Bucks would have the same, uh, the same pr- production with Jameis Winston in those first two games as did with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I agree with you hundred percent there as well. I think that they definitely could have because Ryan Fitzpatrick had all day to throw, yeah. you know, and, and this, this isn't, I mean, the Saints defense definitely did not look good uh against the Buccaneers. I mean, uh Marshawn Lattimore landing face first, getting burned by Mike Evans is not an everyday occurrence in, in New Orleans. But they've they've looked pretty good uh, ever since. You know, they've they've been uh getting better and better and and watching them uh this past weekend. I mean Cam Jordan and even Sheldon Rankins were kind of firing off and they they were they definitely looked like totally different players than they did when they faced the Buccaneers in week one. I don't know if the Saints came in just with low expectations and I don't believe that they came in, you know, especially a home opener first game of the season against a division rival. I don't see how they come in just overconfident, but maybe they did. I don't know. Uh, the Eagles defense has looked better. Not great. Not Super Bowl caliber. I, I don't think personally they've looked better ever since they played the Bucks. I don't know. I don't want to believe that it was just the team that that the Buccaneers faced played down to the Bucs. I, I believe that talent is there. I believe that ability is there. And like you said, we just need to see them get back to it. Yep. Um, and, and if they can get back to it against Atlanta, then then we should see some of those points go on the board. But yeah, I mean, if the offensive line can't get it together, you know, uh, Ali Marpet is, is great, but he's one guy, you know, um, 
they got to play as a unit. They got to get together. You know that better than I do. Yep. And if if they can do it, then I think uh, Jameis should have a successful return to the starting lineup. If they can't, well, then we'll have some stuff to talk about next week <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> but Brent, anything else uh, about anything we talked about on this episode before we we uh, head out of here? Man, that that's it. It's just I, I, you know, we had the bye week, and I'm excited to see the Bucks get out and play again. I'm I missed football, and uh, this bye week seems like it came way too early. So, uh, you know, let's get out and go Bucks. Oh yeah, um, I'm right there with you. I can't wait to see the Buccaneers take the field again. I'm, as I'm sure all of our listeners and fellow Bucks fans are are feeling the exact same way. So. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at dh82 underscore bucks and follow Brent on Twitter at Brent Allen Live and at the Pewtercast where you can catch all of his content as he and Ren do a really great job over there on that podcast. They've got a really cool guest coming up for their Thursday episode. So if you haven't already, make sure you check that out. Come back and join us again on Friday as James and I will be back at it together doing our bowl predictions and our final predictions for this weekend's matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 813-444-5841. Tell us your bold predictions, what you want to see, what you hope to see out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they face off against the Atlanta Falcons. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. The omens are saying now that a stormy time's coming again. The sky is falling, no early warning. There's no returning, it's the end of love. The sky is falling, no early warning. There's no returning, the sky.